Hey everyone, I'm Andrea Ferretti, and this is episode 191 of Yoga Land. Hi. We're back. We're back. We're back. We're going to continue our conversation about home practice. And today I thought it would be fun to talk about building habits. And this can kind of be applied to anything in your life. Yeah. But I was thinking as we were planning this, sorry, I feel like I have something on my lip, that one of the things that we all struggle with is having consistent healthy habits. Totally. So getting on our mat consistently for a home practice it can just be a struggle. I think the bizarre thing about it is we even struggle with things that we want to do. Yes, absolutely. We even struggle being consistent with things we actually like. Yep. <laughs> it's insane. <laughs> and that we know have a measurably beneficial effect on the quality of our life. Yes. It's a human thing. We pe- Some people don't struggle with this, but the majority of people do struggle with having a consistent practice over time. Right. Without a doubt. Yeah. One of the big challenges is the internalization of myths that get in our way, those obstacles. And we've already talked about that. Right. Right. Um, but we have other challenges and then other ways to, to kind of manage those challenges of habit continuity. Right. One of my favorite ones to think about is this idea that we have competing selves within ourselves. Without right. a doubt. So we have the self that, you know, on December 31st is like writing our resolutions and feeling so hopeful and optimistic and in alignment with our health and in alignment with our goals. And then we have the self on January 7th that's like, I'm good. It's really hard. Yeah. This is hard to make changes. Yeah. And so the idea is that you accept that you have these competing selves, like the angel and the devil on your shoulder. And instead of thinking about wielding self-control, right? Instead of thinking like that you're doing the healthy things from a place of control, you have more success if you accept that you have the competing selves and then you go back to the self that is in alignment with your goals and your values. Yeah. I think so often we have this very reductionist notion of who we are and that we are trying to make everything neat and tidy and organized and controlled. Like right. And if, and if we're not like that, it's the bad self. Right. Right. It's like good or bad. But the reality is we all contain a little bit of everything at all times. Yeah. Right. So as much as there is the part of me that genuinely wants to practice now, there's also a part of me that wants to lay on the couch, eat a lot of potato chips, and argue with a commercial. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so if we don't fundamentally accept the complex reality of who we are, and we think that we're going to have some really simple habit-forming process and that we're going to get rid of that which takes us away from new habits, then we're going to always falter. Right. Because we'll always kind of relapse or rebound back into that experience. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. The other idea is to troubleshoot, right? Is to actually think, okay, this is going to be hard and I've not accomplished this task before. So what has held me up in the past? Because that's probably going to come up again. So for me, like I started to realize that 
the hardest thing for me with exercising or meditating or anything like that is not my desire to do it. Like you said, I want to do it. I enjoy doing it. It's the actual initiation of the task. Yes. This is just an issue I recognized over time that I have. And so I have ways that I cope with that. Yes. Like before I meditate, I almost always do some kind of light movement. And so instead of thinking like, oh, I'm going to sit down for like, how long is it going to be? Like 20 minutes? Oh, my God. I don't feel like being quiet for 20. It's like, no, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to move my body. And then at the end of moving my body, I'll sit and meditate. It's having a bridge to get myself to the thing that I really want to do helps me. Without a doubt. I remember this in management. Long, long, long time ago, I was the mind-body director of a really big fitness facility in San Francisco. And we had a bunch of directors. And each director at that time was a pretty high-level professional in that subject matter. The squash director was a highly competitive squash director. Elizabeth Larkham, who was the Pilates director, was like an exceptional Pilates teacher. I, of course, being the exception, they hired a hack to run the yoga program. But one of the things that our general manager was so good at was helping us plan for contingencies and anticipate problems and how to manage those problems. That there was upstream management by anticipating, like, not everything is going to go well. Right. So what is the fallback plan when something doesn't go well? And so we have to apply the same thing. We can't assume like, okay, man, now I've figured all of my bleep out. I'm this newly reformed person. My old crazy is gone. And because I feel motivated, this is who I am for now. (laughs) That is an insane thing to think. So the only thing that you can rationally think is everything that has ever given you trouble in the past will come up again. Mm -hmm. And so how are you going to manage those things by not being surprised by those things? Yeah. Right? So we have kind of like this nice, simple little moment too to think about, you were talking before we started recording about a conversation that you had had with anticipating when challenges are going to come up in the recovery world. Yeah, Mickey Myers shared with me. So I want to get back to that, Mm -hmm. right? But we have this concept of these complementary concepts in the yoga tradition of vairagya and abhyasa. What those are often translated to are in this very limited scope. They're often translated towards, vairagya is often translated as practice, and abhyasa is often translated as non-attachment to the results of that practice, Mm -hmm. okay? That's kind of a simple, small picture way of thinking about those terms. There's a bigger picture way, which fits really into this. So vairagya is the process of creating new conditions. Okay. Abhyasa is letting go of old conditions. Right. So if I want to form a new pattern, how tough is that? Not tough. What's tough about new pattern formation? What's tough about new pattern formation is not sliding back into old patterns, right? So we have to know this, and that's why we're spending this amount of time by saying, It's actually not that difficult to have a moment of inspiration. Like on December 31st, after like seven good cups of coffee, I'm going to change. So having that moment of establishing a new habit, establishing a home practice is not difficult. 
What's difficult is replacing the pattern of not having a practice and anticipating that there's going to be so many other things that are going to pull you back into that old pattern. So us doing the due diligence of saying, look, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to have a home practice. I want to be consistent with it. So I'm going to schedule a time for it. I'm going to schedule a duration for it. I'm going to put it in my calendar. And I'm going to either focus on doing balanced, complete practices, or I'm going to focus on developing regions in my body, or I'm going to focus on developing specific postures like we've already talked about. We've gotten there. But now what we have to do is we have to understand, well, something's going to undermine that. Right. Guaranteed. That new pattern or that new habit is going to be great until the old habit starts to come up. Mm -hmm. And I think that what I prompted you a moment ago on that conversation with Nikki Myers is that understanding of what undoes a positive habit can be really helpful. It's, I can't remember what episode it is, but I'll put okay. it in the caption. But she was talking about in recovery, I think it's very, this is sort of a well-known acronym, which is HALT. So think you're more likely to slip back into negative habits when you're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. And when she I'm usually at that, least three of yeah, those you are, things. You are, you are. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm usually at least one or two of those things. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> <laughs> the hungry and tired. I used to be really lonely. <laughs> okay, we're a little punchy. So, yes, when she said that, like a big light bulb went off for me because we all have had those experiences of having any of, like you said, any constellation of those things come up. And it's really, really hard to. Yes get back to where you like on the path that you want to be. And I just want to like add to this that I think a really, really, really big component to changing habits is practicing self-compassion. Yes. And so if you are hungry, angry, lonely, and tired all at the same time, and you don't get on your yoga mat and do your practice, or you don't, you know, eat the perfectly balanced meal or whatever it is that you are aiming for, you have to think, what's going to be better? Is it going to be better if I tell, if I, you know, sit on the couch, eat my bag of potato chips and feel yes. like a terrible person <laughs> and wish that I could be Anderson Cooper. I don't know why I thought of that. Or is it going to be better if I just say, you know what? Today's just not the day to do yeah. this. Yeah. And there are other days and I will get back to it. And so it's really like that practice of starting to witness your own inner narrative and starting to ease up on yourself a bit. And I always just think of it as everyone has, even if you grew up in a horrible environment where this was not modeled for you, everyone has a really, really wise, compassionate soul within them. And so in that moment, you have to channel that part of you. That's like, it's okay. It's okay. It's going to be okay. You're going to get back to it. You really don't have to make a big deal about it. And you just you just kind of like herd yourself the way a really kindly parent would herd a child who's out of control and can't kind of control themselves in that moment. There's two things that I kind of want to pick up on from this. I think that 
One of the things that I get frustrated with, especially in the, it doesn't happen so much in the yoga world, but I see it kind of in the affiliated, this kind of broader milieu of like, all you have to do is do something 28 days in a row. And then that becomes the new habit. You know what I mean? Like habit formation became like happiness and all these other kind of things where there's this very facile notion of all you have to do is do X. And it's like, no, not all you have to do is do X. You have to do X, but you have to anticipate Y. Mm -hmm. And then you have to respond to Y. Mm -hmm. Because Y is not going to disappear. Who you were before today's new habit is not gone. Mm -hmm. So it's all about having this ongoing relationship to yourself. Mm -hmm. That takes me to kind of, I know it's tertiary, but it takes me to this other thought of, I've said this so many times before. I think there's this notion in the yoga world It's a phrase, and it's a good, well-meaning phrase, but it falls flat. Is this idea of like, okay, you got to leave your ego at the door. Leave your ego at the door. I've never seen the ego stay left at the door. (laughs) And how am I supposed to have a relationship with something if I lock it outside? Yeah. So I understand that sentiment, but I actually want my ego to be here so I can see it, Mm -hmm. and I can watch it, and I can get to know it, and I can see the games that it plays. And then I can start to relate to it and say, oh, no, this is just my insecurity rearing up. This is just my fear rearing up. This is just my hunger or my tired rearing up. So right now, what I have to do is I actually have to take care of that thing now. Right. You know? And so if we're in this thing of like, you replace Y with X and then Y goes away. And then suddenly... It's bizarrely superfluous and in no way like humans actually are. That's why we keep kind of coming back to this point of you want to establish a home practice and anticipate that forever and always there are going to be things that nip at your home practice. Right. Because you want to have a consistent practice doesn't mean you're going to. I will say the kind of one more thing on this is It's a little bit like meditation, right? And you're just kind of talking about herding a parent back. I remember reading this quote. I don't child, but maybe you have to herd herd your parents. You said herding a parent. (laughs) You do have to herd your parents. I do have to herd my mom. So much, yeah. Sometimes you do. Okay, it's one of these things in meditation of like, if you try to hold the mind too tightly in a place, its energy is going to rebound against you. Mm Hmm. But if you give it too much room, it's just going to go away. Right. Maybe it was a Suzuki Roshi quote. He's kind of talking about the mind being like an animal in a pen. And that pen needs to be big enough that that animal's happy to roam, but still stay close. Yeah. You know? And just kind of thinking that same way of like, I know for me that, If I'm hungry, tired, any of those things, and I think, you know what, I'm not doing my practice today. I'm going to have a fear of, well, now I'm never going to do my practice. Right. You know what I mean? Well, now I'm never going to do my practice, so I got to push through this. Whereas I'm like, I'm just going to go take a nap. Right? (laughs) Because then I'll be like, no, then I'm always going to take a nap, and then I'm never going to get anything done, and then I'm going to hate myself, blah, 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 blah. You know what I mean? And my point is we have to manage our neurosis. Yeah. But even in habit formation... You can't be so rigid that you are not responsive. Right. Because if you are not responsive, then your failure to respond to a need is going to put you into a further setback. Completely. Right? Yes. Think of this as a marathon, not a sprint. Yeah. Think of this as a long-term 
relationship. Not a Tinder date. How do you like that? Oh my God, we're so old. Don't How do you like that? that Sorry. One more thing. Okay. The last component of it is that we talked about this in previous episode of just doing something you really love to do. Mm -hmm. So I might be like all day, I might be thinking to myself at four o'clock, I'm going to do my yoga practice and I really need to move. I want to do a strong vinyasa practice. And I've ate 17 bags of potato chips yesterday. I'm going to do some core, whatever it is. Well, at four o'clock, that plan might be shot. But that doesn't mean you can't do something that's nurturing and related. Mm -hmm. So, right? So it, it might be that the way you do your practice adapts and changes a little bit. So it might be on some day, it might be like, oh my God, you know what? I had a plan to do this at four and I just have to let it go for today. But it also might be, you know what? I'm not going to do that strong vinyasa practice I was planning on. I'm just going to do a 10-minute shavasana instead. Yeah. For me, this is the best resolution, and I find it especially going to the gym. Like, if I go to the gym and I'm just exhausted, then it's like, okay, you know what? I'm just going to do some simple opening and some simple foam rolling. I'm not not going to do this, but I'm going to do this at an intensity scale and scope that is actually responsive to what's happening now. Yep, absolutely. We'll see you soon. 